Henry on formation. And fake to him over the middle. It is caught. That's the rookie, A.J. Brown. He's still going. Brown showing the wheels to the 10 to the 5. And he's in for the touchdown. Mariota, the little hitch going end zone. It is caught. A.J. Brown for the touchdown. And his magnificent start to the day continues. Third and 5. With 2.30 left and a half. Mariota's pass for it's Davis, and he will stroll in for the touchdown. This one comes to an end. Frustrating day for Matt Ryan and the Falcons as Tennessee comes to Atlanta and puts a hurting on the Falcons. 24 to 10 is the final. And we welcome you into another edition of Morning Drive live here on a football Monday. Good to have you in. Nick Kale, Braden Gall. Derek Mason, Marquise Munson with you as the Tennessee Titans defeat the Atlanta Falcons 24 to 10 yesterday in Atlanta. Boys, happy Monday. We got ourselves a football victory coming out of an NFL Sunday. Yeah. Um it was a good victory. Well, a good first half, let's put it that way. Um two things that I I I get from that game is one that um, it's good that Derrick Henry has been running the ball the way he has been because it forces the teams, especially teams like Atlanta, to to um, stack up the the line. And then, you know, they have to play one-on-one or off coverage outside, and it makes Marcus's job a lot easier. Um, and, frankly, they did what they, they should have done. Uh, in that scenario, um, they went down to Atlanta, and for the first half, they just totally, totally um, had their way with Atlanta. Uh, second half was a different story. I don't know if they changed game plans because they were up and they just you know relied so heavily on their defense. Uh, but it was a tell of two teams, first half and second half. First half, they played basically flawless football almost. Um and then Atlanta, Dan Quinn's gone. He's going to be gone before the end of the season. That kid, I mean, he's I, I listening to who do we have on last week from Atlanta? Kincaid. I mean, yeah, Kincaid. Yep. And you know, when you have sometimes you have guests on about their team, and you think oh, maybe they're you know maybe they're just kind of because they've been in it. Maybe they're just you know not John reaching a little <laughs> bit too far. Maybe it's not as bad. Well, as there's what a difference in having a guy who covers the team exactly. for the athletic as opposed to a sports radio host in the city. Absolutely. So it's like uh, maybe it's not that bad. <laughs> Watching that team, it might be even worse. Well, and John and, does- and, and Quinn <laughs> might. Yeah, I, I I would be surprised unless they make a complete turnaround with all. The problem is all that firepower they have on offense. Uh, you shouldn't just score 10 points. And kudos to the Titans defense, man, yeah. because yeah. they were coming from every angle. And they, Dean P said, you know what, one guy that's not going to beat us, and that's Julio Jones. And I swear, it was like 12 guys on him. <laughs> um, and the other guys didn't show up. And, and, and for the first time, well, the second time this season, they showed a pass rush. The Titans showed a legitimate pass rush. Well, and, and it legitimately felt like a textbook victory yes, for this team. Absolutely. Like if, if you're going to draw up, how do you beat, or if you want to win games as a Tennessee Titan fan, how do you do it? Flawless, efficient quarterback, ground game, defense, and oh, by the way, two receivers that you've now committed a lot of capital to with draft picks, 
both flirted with 100 yards yesterday. Yeah, I think um, certainly the second half was 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 different. You you can't in college. I think you can go into like sit on an opponent and let your defense win a game. Um, that that was making me nervous. That that felt like the strategy. The offense didn't get a whole lot going in the second half, although they had opportunities. And Mike Vrabel decided to take one from them. Um, we'll get to that decision, which is probably the the weirdest negative of the day. Um, but yeah, and listen, Derrick Henry, it took Derrick Henry forever to get going, but when he did, it was at the exact right time at the end of the game. Marcus, the two touchdown passes, I can't decide which one's better. His second one and his third one are both two of the most beautiful throws he's made this season, last season, three seasons, I don't know. I mean, those are the the, the touchdown, the fade route to Brown, and then obviously facing a blitz on a third down to get rid of it as fast as he did to Corey Davis on the outbreaking route. Um, is exactly what people have been asking him to do, right? Like, read the play, throw a receiver open in the face of pressure, make make your team better, and that's what he did yesterday in the first half. The defense was exceptional. Uh, Dean Pease will drink your milkshake every single stinking day. Like, he, he what, three fourth down conversions inside their own 40-yard line? I think one late in the second half and then two in the fourth quarter where where they got huge stops, and not only did they get huge stops, but he dialed up two sacks on those plays. So... The, the defense was exceptional yesterday. A- Atlanta's going to score a lot of points on a lot of teams. That Titans defense is going to travel, boys. Every single game they play, they could be in because that defense is legit. That's and, a good point. Um, and I, listen, b- people better prepare for a totally different game this week com- coming up. Um, but take take this one in stride. Enjoy it. Move on. Get ready for next week. Taylor Lewan's coming back. I, I think 2-2 two and two is something that we all looked at and said, hey, big picture, if this team is at 2-2, two and two, with Lawan being out, that we would all take it and move forward. You certainly wish it wasn't the same two games that it is that it ended, that it ended up being. You would prefer it to be the two divisional games rather than the two, um, you know, non-divisional games. But the way the AFC is shaken out right now, having a win over Cleveland in your back pocket's a nice thing as they look like they're kind of bouncing back. And so again. You know, Lawan coming back. The offensive line didn't give, give up any sacks. Marcus was great. Derrick Henry you know, leaned on him in the third and fourth quarter. The defense was exceptional. You know, you kind of go down the list and you go, check, 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 check. All right, excellent performance. Don't overreact, as we always tell everybody, because it's going to be different next week. But you, you got to relish that one because that was as good a performance on the road in a critical situation. I don't care how bad the other team is or what kind of dysfunction they're facing. You went down there and played your game, and, and you won – which is why one of the three of us picked the Titans to win. Um, <laughs> I think you might have been the only guy on the station because Jared Floyd and Chris yesterday I, on the pregame show all had Atlanta. So it's listen, it's it's one of those things in the NFL, man. It's just the way it is. Like one week you're going to look great, one week you're going to look terrible. I mean, t- like I'm already, I'm already, pre- I want to spend all five days this week preparing people for bad offensive statistics against Buffalo. Not because of the Titans, but because of Buffalo. Tom Brady threw for like 140 yards and interception and no touchdowns yesterday and won the game. They, they shut down Tom Brady. If they're going to mm-hmm. shut down Tom Brady, they're probably going to shut down the Titans' offense. It's going to have to be a very different game next week, so enjoy it. You know, Soak, in, soak it all in. We'll analyze every angle of it, um, but but get, you know, I guarantee the Titans players are back to work because they got to – a tough game coming up next week. All right, I want to hear from Titans fans this morning, 615-737-1025, because I think we all said when the Taylor Lewan suspension came down and you looked at the schedule, three of your first four on the road, that you would take two and two through the first quarter of the season, survive the choppy waters, keep yourself in the race, the whole division's two and two, but isn't this just the typical Tennessee Titans team 
We think they're down. We think they're out. They're an underdog on the road getting four points, much like the Cleveland game, and they go out and play their best football of the season since that Browns game. Yeah, and that's the that's the problem that that we you know we face with this team, and that's the problem. You know, that's why the whole mantra going from good to great. Um, you know, you play well one game, and then the next game you don't play well. Then the next game you play well. Then the next game you don't play well. That's the sign of a just an okay team. Um, and they want to go from just being okay or good to great. Uh, well, they're going to have to come out and they're going to have to sh- – this is this would be a good week to prove that they are down – they are going down that road of becoming a really, really good team, facing a team that probably has one of the top two or three defenses in the National Football League. The quarterback might be out now. Um, that's a whole different story. But um, they got an opportunity to come back here home um and, and and pick up a victory against a really good Buffalo um build team that's sitting three and one right now in the NFL. So and then the quarterback play. It's you're up one week, you're down the next week. You're up one week, you're down the next week. The Titans get they they played an, an an excellent game again in the first half and you don't want to take that away from them. But they got to stack win on top of win on top of win and yep. performance on top of performance on top of performance. Um they can't keep on going back and forth, up and down, up and down. So otherwise, you end up eight and eight. Yeah, they're going to end up eight and eight, nine and seven. Um, so, but you know what? They did exactly what they were supposed to do. They um, they were more physical um, than Atlanta, and it showed. And your boy Adori showed a little bit of fire multiple times in coverage, where he broke up a few passes. Yeah, was starting to you know high step like he he found that swagger against a good receiving well, core. And the and the one that he kind of gave up, which was sort of like a deep out route to Julio Jones, you know, about a 15, 18 yard gain. Like Adoree Jackson's in great position. He's right there on the on. He's all over Julio Jones. Julio Jones just does Julio Jones things, right? Like at some point. Like I don't, I don't knock him for that completion. For example, that's probably one of the few bad plays he had yesterday. Where you just go, man. There's just what else are you going to do? Like Julio Jones is a special talent that has. But, but overall, though, I mean, yeah. between Julio and Ridley, they were non-factors. It was Sanu and uh, Austin Hooper that had the big days. Yeah, over the middle, we we expected over the middle to be real dangerous. I think we talked about it again. You know, Dean Pease is going to like not. He's going to force the the Falcons offense into doing something they don't want to do, which is go away from Ridley and Jones. Mm-hmm. And and we knew Sanu and Hooper could be could be dangerous over the middle, and, and that turned out to be the case. But you know what they did is they just sort of – they let them complete the short passes. They were a great tackling team yesterday. They came up and tackled whenever they needed to, a lot of times short of the sticks to create uh, turnovers. Again, I, I think one of the biggest stories is how good they were on fourth down in their own territory. The Falcons went for it three times inside the Titans' 40-yard line. That, that's that's points, points, and points. Every those, all three of those drives could have come away with points. Yep. All three of them, the the Titans defense came away with a, a donut. So you got to give the Titans defense a ton of credit because Mike Vrabel did try to give the game to the Falcons at the end there without <laughs> without taking the field goal, which I'm sure we're going to spend some time on. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, to Derek's point, like what else? They did exactly what they're supposed to do. They acted like professionals. They went down there and they played their game. They were physical. They were explosive on offense. They were great on defense. They leaned on Henry when they should have in the third and fourth quarter. It's it's you know it's the game plan you want to see, just like it was against Cleveland. Um, even though they were much better in the first half than they were against Cleveland, even I mean they were they were much better in the first half. Um, so it, yeah, you, you look at it and you go, all right, 
but you can't again it's the NFL you can't dwell you, you soak it in enjoy it and then you move on because again next week's a new week and it's going to be a tough battle all right Titans fans we will get your calls on the other side here's the number to jump in 615-737-1025 the number 615-737-1025 we'll get your reaction your biggest takeaway from yesterday Titans improved the two and two with a 24 to 10 victory in Atlanta over the Falcons. It is Morning Drive. We're live this morning uh, This morning from the Wholesaling Studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. Your Titans calls when we come back on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise with you. Coming off of a Titans victory yesterday, 24-10 in Atlanta over the Falcons. We'll take your calls all morning long, 615-737-1025. Uh, we've got Corey Curtis from News 2 is going to join us today, Tony Barnhart from the SEC Network, as well as our very own Darren McFarland in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, real whoa, quickly, whoa, whoa, double dip on the show today? Yeah, how about that? we got to let people know about this. Old double dip joining the program here on Mondays. Every Monday. Fred season is back. That's right. We'll talk to DMAC. Speaking of uh, Dean Pease and, you know, swallowing a milkshake, or how do you say it? He'll eat your milkshake? Well, he'll hey, Darren McFarland might challenge for that. <laughs> That's actually a really good point, Darren. Darren can throw back some milkshakes. Um, yeah, what, what's the? Is it There Will Be Blood? Right? Is that the movie There Will Be Blood? No. Yeah, I don't remember. What's the movie about the oil people, the oil companies? Uh, I don't know. I think it's There Will Be Blood. And at the very end, Daniel Day Lewis, like he's like, I drink your milkshake. I drink it up, and he, he's you know, it's all about it. like I just see Dean Pease scheming up on fourth down, <laughs> and I just see Daniel Day Lewis like screaming about milkshakes, and I don't know why. That's the image that comes into my head. I always think of the song Khalees Milkshake. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. You remember that oh, song back in the day? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> okay. Anywho, 737-1025. I agree with Derek. The number. Uh, before we get these Titans calls in here, did you guys notice yesterday just how empty that stadium was? Uh, there was a lot of open seats yeah. throughout think, that game. Well, well Kincaid said that. You know, it's, it's, it's a... You know, the seats are red, the jerseys are red, it's red, but there are a lot of empty seats. Yeah. Um and they and did you hear the booing yeah. yesterday? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. They you Dude, could hear was, it over over you know there on, were on a telecast. There were roars with like four minutes to go. That was the Titans fans mm-hmm. that were yeah. there. The small contingent. Who who was it that was on with us that said the, the Chiefs fan? The Chiefs had had a lot of empty seats at their yeah. stadium. We're going. Wait a that second. Was the Chiefs. Yeah. Wait not a second. PK, yeah. You, you mean the best? You mean the best team in the NFL, like like in the AFC maybe, outside of the Patriots, is with the most explosive offense, is having trouble selling, selling tickets mm-hmm. at a historic franchise? Like, this is an NFL problem. Sure. This is a sporting event problem. It's not just a Titans problem or a Nashville problem. And Atlanta sort of has a, a track record for being a questionable sports town as well. Sure. Uh, minus the soccer team, of course. All right, 737-1025. Mike is up first this morning here on Morning Drive. What's going on, Mike? Hey, guys. Good morning. Morning. So I think that the favorite thing that I had, you know, even though we had great plays from our receivers and Derek Henry looked great, was Marcus didn't seem like he was holding onto the ball for a decade. Uh, the offensive line was giving him time, and I got to give that a little bit of credit to having a slightly easier offensive line to be up against. But Marcus, they must have instilled on Marcus this week that they wanted him to get the ball away when he was facing pressure. I think too many times during the Jacksonville game. He was just trying to hold on to the ball, hoping that that one target that he was looking at would get open. But this week he wasn't afraid to throw away the ball, and I felt like that just got us into better situations. Do we still have these third down and long problems that we need to get ourselves out of? Sure. But I think that ultimately, um, if Marcus can continue to do that, uh, we can see better results going forward. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, what I've what I've noticed uh, with Marcus is um, if if he sees the coverage, if 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 he sees the coverage right away, then he's better. And, and just about every quarterback is, but just talking with, about him, when he sees the coverage right away, he can del- he delivers. He gets the ball out of his hands quickly. He feels more confident in what what he sees. Um, Atlanta played a lot of off, a lot of man, and he read it quickly, um, and he threw it quickly. Um, a lot of the routes that they ran are routes that Marcus loved throwing, the quick in route, the out route, the fade route. The play-action crossing um, yeah, route. Yeah, play-action crossing route. Right. Those are routes that Marcus excel in. Um, and when you have a defense that's playing a lot of man-to-man or, or cover three, um, you're able to do that. So kudos to Marcus. He did get the ball away a lot quicker this game than he did in, in, in previous games. And I think, you know, Arthur Smith looked at it from the standpoint of, listen, we got to get the ball out of his hands very quickly. We're going to make a lot of things, you know, quick rhythm throws, nothing too deep, get him in his sweet spot so we can kind of build a rhythm. And that's what he did yesterday. They did have a lot of big ch- – if you want to go 15 yards or more, there were a lot of 15-yard passes or more. Uh, and a couple of throws that stood out to me, um, obviously the touchdown to Corey Davis was an example of how you have to feel the pressure before it comes and know that you've got to throw it early. And he threw that football early before Corey Davis got out of his break. He threw him mm-hmm. open to the sideline. Like that, That's as perfect a, an example of what you want to see from him. Um, the other one that stood out, I th- and again, the, the, the throw to A.J. Brown on the fade route is just a, a, a thing of beauty. But the third, it was third and 15, uh, I believe in the first quarter. And, you know, you could see the Falcons playing sticks defense, dropping into coverage and playing four across at the at the first down marker. And, and so they read that. Marcus read that. Corey Davis ran about a 13-yard curl route. Marcus hits him exactly when he's supposed to. And then Corey Davis works a little magic, becomes a physical runner, which both him and A.J. Brown are going to be after they catch the ball. And he gets an extra three or four yards to get the first down on third and 15. That was a, To me, that's an, another example of reading what the defense has given you, executing it quickly, and, and who knows? Maybe if you get an extra two, three yards, you get a first down. And they did. So, um, yeah, I mean, listen, I think Delaney Walker was clearly limited with the knee injury, only one catch. It was his 500th catch, only 16, I think, tight ends to ever do that in the NFL. So congratulations to Delaney Walker. But the receivers had to play big. Listen, the other thing about this is the offensive line. Nate Davis played 62% of the snaps yesterday. Welcome to the club, Nate Davis. Yeah, about uh, time. He, he, you know, Jamil Douglas is on the bench for, for almost a third, almost two-thirds of the game. Um, so good to see Nate Davis, their third-round pick, playing and playing okay, relatively well. Still is only his first NFL action. He's got a long way to go. But he had a lot more time to throw, Marcus did. And, and when you do that, you know, listen, they – they they knew they were going to go up against a smaller, more active defensive front, which I thought meant Derrick Henry, and eventually it did. But they did a much better job pass blocking, and oh, by the way, your quarterback has more time to throw, and, and your receivers have more time to get open. This is an offensive line that has allowed 17 sacks through the first three weeks, yet yesterday I wasn't so worried about the offensive line from the, the edge-rushing standpoint of the Falcons. I was more concerned with a guy like Grady Jarrett, yeah. who's a total stud up the middle, and I don't think they called his name all day. Well, the, the, I don't think it was Grady Jarrett, but the fourth down call, and we got it. We'll get to this again, again eventually when Vrabel screwed up and didn't take the field goal, a chip shot there on fourth and one. Jack Conklin was just completely blown up on that play, and I don't know if it was Grady Jarrett, 
But to your point, it was sort of an interior rusher that I think had slid outside and just collapsed the entire play and ran Jack Conklin right into the Derrick Henry in the backfield. It was atrocious. So yesterday, Marcus, three touchdowns. He completed 67% of his passes. His quarterback rating was 129.7. And now if you just look at Marcus' season to date, 933 yards, which, which is not a ton through four weeks, but seven touchdowns, no interceptions, and his quarterback rating is 106.2. Um, I'm a guy who wrote Marcus off last Friday mm-hmm. after that Jaguars <laughs> game. Uh, I, I still believe you will never go from good to great with number eight, mm-hmm. but maybe just quietly he's having the best season of his career. Or are we reading too much into stats? Uh, a little early, a little early. Yeah, but I, but I think Arthur's. I think they're doing, they're doing exactly what they know their limitations with him, and they're not going to ask him to do too much. And that's why you saw yesterday, even though Derrick Henry was getting one yards, two yards, because Atlanta they wanted to stop the run. I think two guys they wanted to try to take out the game was Delaney and, and, and Derrick Henry. And for the most part, early on, they were able to do that. And other guys stepped up and made plays big. They, they put Brown and Davis yeah, on like one on one. Like y'all, said, go yeah, make plays. Exactly. And, and they went and did. Atlanta said, if y'all going to beat us, y'all going to beat us with the two guys outside and Marcus throwing the football. And in the first half, he did exactly um, um, that. But they have a formula um, that they – that they're going to stick to and they have a way that they want to try to win football games. And that is not to put too much on Marcus, uh, keep him in his comfort zone and stick with the run. And they did it yesterday. Um, again, it wasn't pretty at the beginning, but when they needed Derrick Henry, boy, he was, I mean, he had at one point, it was like three carries for over 30 yards. Um, and that's what's going to happen if they're able to keep ball games close they're gonna have to lean on Derrick Henry in in the third and fourth quarter, and you know to his to his, you know to Derrick Henry's credit, he has proven the Titans right. When you lean on me in the fourth quarter, I'm there. Now they went away from him certain times, but well, he's he, shown up. He he wasn't very productive in the first half, but to your point, they, he's they, never going they were, to be really. They geared up to stop him early, and that was they were saying they, they go listen, we're gonna put your receivers on islands and. and Go ahead and see if you can make plays. And the Titans made plays. Mm-hmm. The receivers made plays. Marcus made plays. And they, they they geared up to stop the run. I think in the first half, Derrick Henry was averaging like 2.8 yards a carry, and Marcus was averaging like 10 yards a throw. It's a no-brainer mm-hmm. at that point what you should do as an offensive coordinator. But at, at one point, I, I, you know, I, I'm watching the game in real time, and I'm taking lots of notes. I'm studying lots of like, – like you can see my paper over here. I'm charting like every Mario to throw. And I'm, so I'm really into the, the statistics of all this. And all of a sudden, I look up and I hear the announcer go, wait a second, Derrick Henry's over 100 yards. I was like, what? <laughs> that can't be possible. And yeah, it's those, those one and two and three yarders became six and seven and eight and ten yarders. And, and all of a sudden, he's got 100 yards at the end. Now, he almost gave up the 100-yard game <laughs> before he had three straight negative carries and then got it back again, which is good for him. But it, they didn't need much more in the fourth quarter. Although, for the love of God, Mike Vrabel kicked the field goal. For the love of God. 615-737-1025. The number Titans fans want to hear from you. 615-737-1025. We'll come back, continue breaking down this game. We'll take your calls. Corey Curtis from News 2 joins us at 7 o'clock. We're back after this on Morning Drive on ESPN 1025 The Game. 
Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game, 737-1025 The Number. If you want to jump in, react, give you uh, your biggest takeaway from the game yesterday, Titans defeat the Falcons 24-10. to Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise with you. Also, we'll get to some of the receiver conversation because both Corey Davis and A.J. Brown with big days yesterday. Uh, but let's hear what you have to say. And uh, Zach is up next, and he's on Morning Drive. What's up, Zach? Hey, how are y'all doing? Good, bud. Hey, uh, so just a quick take on A.J. Brown, and I'm sure that I'm overreacting, but this guy is unbelievable after the catch. He's got 10 catches so far this year. He's averaging like 22 yards of the reception, and I, I feel like they're not just like deep passes. Most of them haven't been that deep at all. But he gets some space, and he makes magic happen. Totally agree with you, and actually I had this written down. Mm-hmm. Appreciate the call, Zach. A.J. Brown, 10 catches, 223 yards, two touchdowns, 22.3 a clip. Now, Corey Davis, 11 catches, 173 for one touchdown, 15.7 a clip. Also better after the catch than people give Both of them for. are turning you know marginal pass patterns into big plays. But is it possible that A.J. Brown could already be the more dynamic of the two? Mm-hmm. Or just flat out the better receiver? Mm-hmm. He's a little I gotta, stiff. I gotta watch him some more. He's yeah. a little he, stiff. Uh, I, I would agree. With he's, that. he's, you know what? Because people are gonna see this. I, I'm not gonna say I, he's a good player, um, but I'm gonna wait to the end of the season because I've seen I've seen his rodeo before, <laughs> where guys start off fast and then they kind of fizzle out. What his thing is, he has to show up big when they play good defenses. Um. He did exactly what they wanted him to do yesterday, catch the ball. He is a physical runner. I give him that. He is a big physical guy. You never get an opportunity. We haven't got an opportunity to see the Titans' speed, if they have any, um, from the wide receiver position. But Brown did show. He showed some speed yesterday. He's got now, a little burst. Yeah, I don't know how fast those guys in the secondary was, but I, I would think they are, they're 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 like 4-5 or five guys, 4-4 four, four maybe. And he showed a burst. Um, he showed that he can run away um, uh, from coverage. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hold my reservations uh, in regards to Brown because I could have easily said last week, the kid's not good, <laughs> you know. And then the week before that, it gets Cleveland. Oh, he's great. Yeah. I'm just going to let it play out. But the kid has shown the ability. If you're going to play him one-on-one, Mm-hmm. and you're going to play off, then he's going to kill you. And once he gets the ball in his hands, he's a he's a tough guy to tackle because he's just he's a big guy. Now, he might end up having to lose a little weight right? I think, uh, I think you're eventually, right but he's just a big guy, and, he, and he's hard to bring down by one tackle. But and I, I, like, I like what I saw yesterday. I, I don't think Corey Davis has the same level of sort of like explosiveness, but Corey Davis, if after he tackle, after he catches the football – there's like a violence to both of them that that like Johnny Smith's got a little bit of that too, and he's actually got a little bit more explosiveness for a play, for a player of his position. But there is this like sort of you know like Corey will fight for yards after the catch, and and he he's big and strong enough to to make that happen. And Brown is is that way as well. Um, I'll stand by it. I'll, I, I said this after week one, and and you guys laughed at me. I will still take this Brown over the one in Baltimore. I know speed kills. But I think this guy is going to have a pretty good career, and and he's he's shown it in four games that he's he's a pretty decent player. Derek, you are one hundred percent right. This is a week to week thing. 
There are going to be games where he disappears. There's going to be games where he's great, and we have to sort of take the good with the bad because he's a rookie and, and hope that there are more good than, than bad. So um, you just have to kind of uh, adjust and move on. Again, the Falcons said, go ahead and beat us this way. We're not going to let Delaney Walker beat us. We're not going to let Derrick Henry beat us in the first half. And Marcus torched him, and the receivers torched him, and both guys had the best day of their season. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. The number of you want to jump in. Adam is next on Morning Drive. What's up, Adam? Hey, man. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to talk about the same stuff everybody else is. I'm very happy today. Uh, I hope Lawan comes back humbled this week and uh, no goofy white suits or anything. I want you to come in and just be gritty and uh, be ready to punch somebody in the mouth. And uh, the next jersey I buy will be a number six jersey, by the way. I don't think anybody's going to talk about him a lot today, but Brett Kern, uh, to get to get Craig Hendrick <laughs> and then get Brett Kern is like Peyton Manning and then Andrew Luck, like of punters. Like, it's unreal how good he is. And if you watch another punter, like in any other game, you'll see how lucky we are. Like, this dude is just rock solid. I think he hit the five-yard line or inside the five like three or four times yesterday. So yeah. that really hurt them. And, uh, man, you can't hype that guy enough. Adam yeah. checking in, talking punters on a yeah. Monday. Hey, there is not that. Listen, Kern for life, baby. Okay, he's a great punter. Yeah, I mean he he might just be the best punter in the National Football League. I can't think of another guy that's better than him. Um, maybe the, but he's a rookie. That kid, kid down in New Orleans, the left footed kicker. He's pretty. He's good. He's pretty good. J.K. Scott for the yeah, Packers. J.K. Is Scott good. is pretty good. But Kern is it's Kern is. By far the best kicker. Yeah, um, he's a, he's another offensive weapon um, or defensive weapon for you because he will put you, you know, in minus territory uh, um, just about every time. So kudos to him. I mean, he's right. They go from Kerry Craig Henrich Henrich to Kern. Was there someone in the middle of those? I feel two? like there was. There might have but... been someone in the middle, but that's how. Yeah, we don't need to know about the guy in the middle. Whoever he it was. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're just talking about Craig. He wasn't Reggie Roby. Exactly. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and that's crazy because he went from Reggie Roby to Craig <laughs> and now Kern. Uh, that's crazy. And we're talking about kickers. Here we go. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about kickers. Talking Damn about punters. Kickers. There's a difference. We only Dude, talk our, about kickers when they screw up. Are punters are punters more football players than kickers? Like, which one is more of a football player? Oh, punters. A punter or a kicker? Punters. Why? Yeah, why you, you think that? so? Yeah, it's kickers, man. Place? Are you just talking strictly? They just that's all they do is. Place I, I don't kick. care for either they one do, of them. They do kickoffs. Let's say the guy who does kickoffs and place kicking, field goals, extra points, which is far, which is pretty darn important, right? You got to make point. You got to put points on the board. Unless you're a kicker for Vrabel, who Vrabel just decides not to ever kick. Yeah. Um, punters, though, again, like they don't. I don't know. They both. Neither of them tackle, <laughs> right? I, I can't tell which one's more important: making field goals or pinning pinning players pinning, pinning teams teams deep in the five yard. I don't know what's what's making more, field goals because yeah, it's points so. on the scoreboard. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I wouldn't trade breakers for anybody. Yeah, but I think the <laughs> punters are typically the better athletes. Okay. All right. Okay. Seven three seven one zero two five. Justin is next on Morning Drive. Hey, Justin. Good morning, guys. What's happening, hey, hey. Uh, my phone's working now. Uh, anyway, that's a step uh, in the right direction. <laughs> I want to talk about a little bit about Marcus. I mean, I know that we, you know, he had a great game yesterday. I felt like it was more of a first half. There was a couple, you know, not securing the ball on that. You know, when he did the quarterback draw, whatever they call it. Um, I just want to 
says that, I mean, I think he played a great game first half and then a couple of decisions I felt like were suspect. But, you know, I felt like he was most comfortable yesterday than he has been the, pretty much the last two weeks. I just want to hang up and listen after that. Yeah, you, and, and there's one obvious reason. The offensive line protected him. Yeah, he didn't I get mean, sacks. He, 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 he zero sacks. And, and, by the way, Nate Davis played 62% of the snaps yesterday at right guard. So, um, there was a change made. They got Nate Davis ready. We didn't know what he was going to be able to bring to the table. He still has a long way to go to become a dependable player, but to finally get something out of your third-round pick at a at a critical time of the season in a critical game at a critical position, I mean, that, you can't overvalue what, what that may or may not do for the team moving forward. Now you get Lawan back. Yeah, it's amazing what you can do when you have time to throw, and so that that's part of it. I, I will say this, the the – and Derek, I don't know. You got to be. You got to better ball security on the quarterback draw. Um, it was there for him. It was open, and it probably would have picked up the first down had he not fumbled it. Maybe was it would have been close. Um, but you know, this is a guy. I don't. Outside of a, a Delaney Walker five yard out route that he kind of threw in front of him, I'm not sure I saw a single bad decision from the quarterback. I, I'm just not. I, they, he might have missed the throw. But I don't like the throwaways when he was being pressured, got rid of the football when he needed to. He read the blitz and, and threw, the, to, threw to the right receiver when he needed to. I, I don't know. There wasn't a lot of bad, you know, there wasn't a lot of bad decisions. The screen passes just didn't work. The Falcons no. sniffed those out because I, guess, I guess Arthur Smith's been running the same screen pass for four weeks well, now. Well, he's very predictable with those. Um, but but I didn't, I'm not sure I saw a single bad decision uh, by the quarterback yesterday, and that – we don't know about pre-snap checks and pre-snap reads and changing the play before the snap. We don't know how many of those he got right and got wrong. You you certainly could get a lot of those wrong. Um, but he seemed to have the team in the right play most of the time and seemed to execute it almost every single time yesterday. And guess what, guys? It's not going to happen like that next week. So be prepared. It's not going to be the same next week. Okay, we will get back to the Tennessee Titans. Coming up at the top of the hour, our buddy Corey Curtis from News 2 will join us. But coming up next, we'll transition to Saturday. A couple of things from the SEC. One, Vanderbilt gets a victory. Two, Auburn is totally for real. And three, our buddy Will Muschamp gives us another auditory gem. You'll hear all of that coming up next here on Morning Drive on ESPN 1025 The Game. It's been a fall. I got more gray hair than I've ever had. My wife doesn't like hanging around losers. I've been losing, so, I mean, it ain't been good, you know? Uh, yes, another gem from Will Muschamp this, this past Saturday. More SEC coaches talking about their wives being critical of their teams. Is that what that was? It's been a bad fall for him. He's got a lot of gray hair. Will Muschamp Saturday does his postgame press conference with <laughs> some eyeglasses that were mm-hmm. kind of tilted down like bifocals. He looked like a 65-year-old man. Like reading glasses? Like reading glasses. Yeah. It was great. I mean, he, <laughs> college football will stress you out, man. And, and, and that was one of I, – I looked at the box. Like, I looked up, and it was 24 nothing South Carolina over Kentucky, and I'm going, whoa. Mm-hmm. It, it's, football is such a bizarre sport, man. So much fun. So what do we make of the weekend in the SEC? Uh, I think the big story is certainly what Auburn is doing is they demolished Mississippi State. And I think all of us, and you as well, Braden, have said on this show, every time you think Auburn's going to have one of those ho-hum years, they – String together some magic. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't remember how many times I said it this summer. Probably four thousand times that this is the year that Auburn does Auburn things. Gus is doing Gus things, running Gus style offenses that are really gussy and have all kinds of weird motions and receiver ends or end arounds and all kinds of weird Gus Malzahn stuff, and it's working for you. The defense is among the best defenses in the entire country. Auburn probably has the best resume 
of any team right now in college football with a, a neutral field win against Oregon, a road win against A&M, and, and now a home win in, in very impressive fashion against both Mississippi State and keep in mind Tulane's going to be a good team by the end of the year. Tulane, is that's going to look like a good win for Auburn at the end of the year. You could argue they have the best roster. My issue, and you get, tell me what you think about this, I think there are six teams atop everybody else, and in large part what separates the six teams is the superstar elite-level quarterback combined with the, the talent on the, the overall talent on the roster. You look at Justin Fields, you look at Joe Burrow, you, you look at Tua Tungavailoa, Trevor Lawrence, um, Jalen Hurts, um, and who am I missing here? Uh, Jake Fromm at Georgia. Th- those are elite-level quarterbacks. That's the one difference for me between Auburn. I'm not ready to put Auburn in that top six yet because Auburn, Bo Nix, still is just sort of learning his way. He clearly is extremely talented, very poised. He finally put up some big numbers this past weekend, over 300 yards passing. But he he will eventually become one of those superstar quarterbacks. But right now he's still just a freshman. That's the one thing that separates Auburn from the other guys is that their quarterback has not yet taken that He's not the same level as Tua and Trevor and Fromm and, and Fields and Hurts. Th- those guys are on a different level. Uh, but he'll have a chance to prove it. They go to Florida this week. But if we're playing the resume so. game through September, nobody's got a better resume than Auburn. No, and yeah, I just uh, that, that, I agree. Uh, that doesn't make you the best team, though. Sure. Uh, th- you are not the contents of your resume. You are not the contents of your wallet. You are not your khaki pants. So I, I think that they don't belong in that top six, but they're number seven for me. Like They're right there on the cusp, and they will have a chance to prove it like all these teams. They got to go. They still have to think about Auburn's schedule. They might have the best resume right now today, like you just said, which means they've got some good wins. Think about who they play in the next six weeks. They're going to play Florida. They're going to play LSU. They're going to play Georgia, and they're going to play Alabama. Hmm. <laughs> if Auburn is at the is is standing at the end, they will have earned every penny of it. If they if they run the table, it would be the most impressive regular season I can ever recall. I, Possibly, yeah. Yeah, based and, on having a rookie, I mean, a freshman quarterback. On a coach on the hot seat, too? Yeah, like, coach on the hot seat. and The most Auburn know, thing ever. <laughs> it's, 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 it's just good watching Auburn do what they do because you knew, okay, they, they pick up the win against Oregon, um, you know, and then they started to build momentum. And once Auburn starts to build momentum, yeah. Yeah, watch, watch out, out. Yep. because – that 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 iron bowl at the end of the season if they <laughs> even if they have one loss let's just say they have one loss um head to the end of the season um because i think the way that defense plays man i think they they're going to make it hell for georgia um lsu is a different story uh i think lsu just has weapons across the board um but can lsu stop anyone that's the problem with lsu can they you know, negate people from getting big, uh, you know, big plays or, or whatnot. Nick, um, Nick Saban might say the same thing about his team yeah, right Nick, now. Uh, yeah, Coach Saban as well. Um, the SEC. Auburn doesn't have that problem. It's crazy because you can have between between Alabama, LSU, just right now, between Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Georgia, and Florida, <laughs> you have no losses, right? Five of the top eight yeah. teams in the country? You could potentially <laughs> have a league where, you know, the worst team might have two losses. Or the, this, best, the best yeah, team. Yeah, the best team yeah, might have yeah. two losses. Um, yeah. You know, because you look at Auburn's re- resume moving forward. 
LSU, Georgia, Alabama. I mean, that is a daunting <laughs> path. At, at Florida yeah. this weekend. Then you look at Alabama's schedule toward the end. Then you look at LSU. It's all the same, yeah. And it's yeah. like, man, you can have potentially a team with two losses still be, if you just look at the resume, still be like the second or third best team in the country. Well, like Georgia was. In my opinion, exactly. last year. Absolutely. Georgia's losses last year were on the road to LSU and mm-hmm. a, and, and by a, a narrow margin to get to Alabama. Are you telling me that's not a good resume? Exactly. You know, And they boat race everybody else. Now, listen, Florida will play Georgia, mm-hmm. right? Georgia still has to – Florida has to play Auburn. Our, we just mentioned all of Auburn's games. LSU still has to play Bama and They'll Auburn. They'll wipe each other out. They're, They're all, just beating each other. LSU and Florida still have to play. Like the whole thing. Now I think Florida. Oh, the, the next one. two months are going to be great. And and it's not it's not just the SEC. Now there's more teams in the top at the SEC right now, which is good for the sport. I still think Florida is clearly a step behind those other teams. And Florida will have a chance to prove itself, too, right? They're going to play Auburn this week. Then they're going to play LSU on the road. Then they're going to play Georgia. So they've, they've still got a brutal. And, by, oh, by the way, Missouri. <laughs> if you just hadn't lost in week one, Missouri would be sitting there looking pretty good right now uh, as well. It's just, it's listen, it's a really top-heavy, really difficult lead. Now, the losses are starting to pile up in the bottom half of the league. Uh, Kentucky is falling apart as we speak. Mississippi State's falling apart. Tennessee has already fallen apart. I mean, there, there's some, you know, Vanderbilt gets a win. Okay, nice. You didn't even cover against Northern Illinois. Uh, it, it, it's The bottom half is not as good as we expected, but the top half might be even better than we thought. And, but, but it's no different in the other leagues. Oklahoma still hasn't played any of its tough games. they got to play all their tough games. Ohio State still hasn't played any of its tough games. They still have to play all of their tough games. Wisconsin has to play all their tough games. Clemson's the only team that's probably played some of its tougher games to date. Um, it, otherwise, everybody still has everything in front of them, which is going to make for a really fun next few weeks because college football looks better at the top than we anticipated. And it, if all those teams continue to win, it's going to make for a really fun November. Really fun stuff. Congrats to Vanderbilt. They get their first win of the year. Also, Keyshawn Vaughn having his first kid, I believe, a day before the football <laughs> game. Uh, well, one thing, one thing. It's actually two things with what, Vanderbilt. What did you guys do? Oh, you probably played an NFL game, so you're not fair to an- ask this question. But what were you going to ask? What did you guys do the day after you? Like, well, I, uh, I slept like there. I gave birth, dude. Dude, I barely. I ba- I got lost walking to a coffee shop. Keyshawn Vaughn carried seven, you know, seventeen times for 138 yards and a win. I barely could get to the coffee shop the next day. Well, after, he's after young after too, so it don't matter. No, I have my kids there now. My my daughter's born in March, so the season's up. My son's born in July. Oh, you're dude. good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> camp. OTAs. We weren't even in camp yet, so it worked out perfect for me. That, he, two two quick things on this Vanderbilt game. One, there's no way there was 24,000 people there. No. <laughs> Total lie. No, I mean, no. there looked like there was 24 people there. I saw you guys tweet about that. No, it's just outrageous. What that a blatant just... lie. Twenty four grand? Well, There's no, no way. Is it now? Was it paid attendance? Or it was probably it had to be. Attendance? It had to be paid attendance because, man, it was bad. Looked like there was twenty four thousand people at the Falcons Titans game yesterday. It was like a, it was like a play a high school playoff game. That's what it was like. It really was. No, seriously, I know a lot. A high school playoff I'm, game. It would be the I'm equivalent it's to true, not because it's to say I don't know. Uh, who are the best teams it, now? It would be M- NBA. If yeah. you had Brentwood Academy versus NBA. Exactly. You, in a state championship game in like Cookville. Mm-hmm. And you, that's what you, it was. You, that's basically what it was. <laughs> and and then, you hit it right on the head. Right there. And there then the, the other thing on, on Saturday on social media, all these Vandy fans, when Vanderbilt was up 11 points, they're sitting there complaining about the way Vanderbilt's playing. And it's, oh, my God, it's Northern Illinois. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. You're up 11. You're only a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And you're Vanderbilt. What are you bitching about? 
But they that's because Vandy fans are just it's like y'all live in this alternative world. Like I mean, y'all think that y'all are supposed to blow teams out for some reason. Like, oh, they're Northern Illinois. No, Northern Illinois, even though I said last week they weren't out a good team. That's a good team. Um, they played a tough schedule. Yeah, they played a tough schedule. And Vandy, I mean, Vandy is just Vandy. I I don't know what more to say about them. Um because can we can we pull the, can we pull that quote? Make sure we tweet that out. Yeah. Derek Mason says Vandy is just Vandy. Yeah, their I'm not defense, sure you need any more analysis. Yeah, their than that. defense is like a strainer. They're not stopping oh, anybody. Man. No, it's no serious. And I would tell Coach Mason the same thing. So, they they can't stop anybody. So does that make the players the wet noodles in the strainer? <laughs> that's like water, like water through a strainer. That's that's their defense. Shake it off in the sink <laughs> when you get them boiling it. Absolutely, they can't stop. They can't stop anybody. Yeah. All right, that's it for us. We're going to come back for hour number two. We'll get back to the Tennessee Titans from yesterday. Our buddy Corey Curtis from News 2 will join us, get his biggest takeaways and reactions from a 24-10 victory over the Atlanta Falcons. Hour two of Morning Drive is next.